of everybody greeting one another. Um, it's so good to be here with you guys. Are y'all ready for Christmas? I'm so excited for this season. This, uh, this Advent season is precious because we get to look back on his first Advent, Jesus' first Advent, and look forward to his second coming. And um, today we're going to be talking about peace. Uh, my name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I really am so grateful for every time that I get to come up here and preach God's word and his goodness to you. Um, so today my prayer is that God's peace would be more real to you as you walk back through those doors than it was when you came in. Um, that you would know that Christ is king and he says to your soul in the midst of chaos, peace, be still and know that I'm God. So uh, with that being said, um, we're going to be looking at peace, uh, that Christ himself is our peace, that he is the peacemaker, the prince of peace. And I asked so many people what their definition of peace was this week. And they said, peace is a person, and that person is Jesus. Um, so as we move into the text today, let's pray. Father, thank you that in chaos, in craziness, in busyness, you yourself are our peace that you can surpass understanding and give us silence, give us moments of rest. So Lord, I pray today that that peace would be made manifest, be made real in our hearts, and that we would walk out of here changed by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit. We love you, we praise you, we ask that you would be glorified today. Amen. Peace. What is it? Right? I think oftentimes peace is defined actually by what it is not. Right? It's times that are not full of war. Unstirred is what a lot of people say that it is. Undisturbed. I think even in my own mind, I think about it as absence of conflict times where things are more right than they are wrong. Uh, but our definition is full when we think of it in light of Jesus. Right? He is our peace. He brought peace between God and man on the cross. He also brought peace between the people of God, Jew and Gentile, now breaking down the dividing walls we read in Ephesians chapter 2 brings peace between men. He is our peace. He is the one who rid conflict between us and God. He's the one who takes conflict out of the church. But I feel like I'd be a little dishonest if we didn't talk about this one part in Luke chapter 12 where Jesus says, Something that's, I don't know, it feels ironic to me when I first read it. So Luke chapter 12, verse 51, 
This is Jesus talking. He says, Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No. How's that for the Christmas spirit? I tell you rather division. For from now on in one house, there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. And if you remember this verse in a different book, it's from Matthew. And Matthew says that he, come, he has come to take father and turn them against child and mother, if you guys are remembering that vaguely. Right? The peace that you have with God and with fellow believers, that peace will cause unpeace or strife with those who are not in Christ. Because we who have peace with God and peace with one another are now claiming that there is one solution to the problem. And that one solution is Jesus. And Jesus divides us, he separates us, makes us holy to the world. We become unique people of peace. And we invite people to come and experience that peace that we have. But when we say, Jesus is the only way to peace. Which means, if you're trying to find peace any way other than Jesus, you will not have peace with God. When we say that, that is a strong, bold stance in light of the current culture that we live in. And it has been for thousands of years. That will cause unpeace with those around us. Right, peace with God and with man only comes through Jesus. And we offer that peace to others as well. So I want to focus today on how we have peace, why we have peace, why it is accessible to us. At one point, there was not peace between us and God. If you are not in Christ, if you don't know Jesus then you do not have peace with God. He is the only mediator. He died for our sin. He rose from the grave. He said, if you have faith in me, then you can have peace with God. That is how we have peace, no conflict with God. And that no conflict with God is more full than a lot of us realize. God doesn't hold your sin up to you and say, all right, I know you said that you have peace with God, but now you have to pay for it again because you sinned again. Romans chapter eight says that there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's full peace with God, full peace. He offers that through Jesus the only one who could make that peace, right? That's the same peace that was proclaimed to the shepherds in Luke chapter two. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is the mission of God. Peace for God's people for God's glory. Peace for God's people for God's glory. Glory. So how can we experience peace? How can we experience that peace that 
is talked about 93 times in the scriptures. Our peace is oftentimes thought about, you know, like we talked earlier about being undisturbed. But how many of you guys like didn't sleep well last night because there was thunder rolling through your town? Anybody? Yeah, just me? All right. I did not sleep good. I did not have peace last night. Or when there's a baby screaming in your ear or a dog whining in the middle of the night. Yeah, you know my dog. Um, Conflict at work. Payments for your home feeling like you can't make them. Being hungry and not knowing where your next meal is going to come from. Students, finals this week. Does that feel like peace? How in the world are you supposed to expect this peace that you have with God to interact with your life, for it to actually impact your heart, right? Talking about peace, even me saying, all right, y'all should have peace. No one's ever gotten peace from somebody telling you to have peace, right? That doesn't give us peace. Just like thinking about breathing doesn't give us oxygen in our lungs or talking about water quenching our thirst. We must take hold of our peace with God and with man and experience it. It's free, it's accessible, it's been purchased by God through the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, and it's yours through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. How? Peace only comes in your life when God is magnified in your soul. Peace only comes in your life when God is magnified in your soul. It's found in the person of Jesus and Jesus gives us a new perspective. He's the one that brings wholeness to us. He solves our deepest need. He satisfies our greatest desires. He fills us with his spirit, makes us have the breath of God in our lungs. He completes us. Without Christ, we are broken and incomplete. We are lost without light. But with him, we have interaction. We have relationship with the one who holds all things together who speaks and the stars stay in their place. Through Jesus, we have communion with that God. Real relationship. He is the satisfier. When we have Christ, we have all we need. I think sometimes we read the Bible because we just think that we need to read the Bible. We don't really know what we're doing though. Anybody ever been there? We're just reading it because your grandparents told you that you should read your Bible every day. Anybody there? Yeah. Sometimes we read the Bible just because we think that we're supposed to. So I'm going to walk us through Psalm 23. We're going to read it. We're going to apply it to our lives in the idea and theme of peace. 
I'm going to teach you how to get peace that is accessible because of the work of Jesus. And he wants to give you peace through his word. So Psalm 23. When I was, uh, as you're flipping there, when I was in high school, I went through one of the greatest bouts of depression uh, that I'd ever experienced in my life. Uh, some of you guys are fresh out of high school and maybe like your emotions are crazy. And um, I was battling with a deep sadness that felt like a cloud that was over my life for a very long time. It was in this passage that God reminded me, told me about the grace and peace that he has, that he's promised that you can have in the midst of chaos, in the midst of dark deep, hard circumstances. And it was in this first verse that I found peace. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord, who is the Lord? The Lord is the Prince of Peace, Jesus, our shepherd. And what is a shepherd? Shepherd is a man that knows his flock. He knows his sheep. He knows who his sheep are. He knows their quirks. He knows the shape of their hoofs. He knows what kind of things are going to make them wander away from the flock. He also guides his sheep when they go wander away from the flock. He, the shepherd, is the one who goes out to the sheep and brings them back in. That is the shepherd. The shepherd also fights for his sheep. Fights off the bears, the wolves, protecting his sheep. The shepherd also provides for his sheep. Everything that the sheep needs comes from the shepherd. The shepherd is the one who takes them to the water, takes them to the pasture, takes them, gives them everything that they need. The sheep cannot provide for itself. I shall not want. I will lack nothing. I have everything I need. Everything that God has promised to me, I have. I have his spirit. I have the promise that he cares. I have the ability to go to him in prayer. I have everything that I need, even if I can't pay the bills, even if I can't get this relationship right with my mother-in-law or my father-in-law or my mom my cousins, my professors, even if you can't figure those things out, you still lack nothing. The God of the universe, your shepherd is your provider. He's with you and he doesn't forsake you. The theological truth that God is my shepherd, my prince of peace and my king has to turn into the practical reality that you have no lack, right? You cannot just say over and over and over again in your heart and in your mind, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, 
and not move from the Lord is my shepherd to I shall not want. Because the Lord is your shepherd is true. And that means something. And it means that you have no lack. It means that he is your peace. It means that he cares for you. Verse two, Psalm 23. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He provides a place for us to rest. And I don't know a better synonym for rest than peace. So I want to take a moment. There's not much silence in our world today, right? We're kind of beat over the head with noise and with things to do. So I want to practice this, this rest that God wants us to participate in. So to take God at his word, let's pray. And as we sit silent for a moment, don't take your request to God. He isn't, this moment for now is to behold the character of God. He is good, faithful, true, glorious, beautiful, your provider. So take a moment, close your eyes, reflect on his goodness and rest. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So here we see God making David whole. He makes us whole. He restores us. He brings us to peace. Jesus promises that we will have trouble in this world. And we can take that to the bank. We will have trouble in this world which means that sometimes, though we have overarching, ultimate peace, that sometimes we have to go back to that moment of silence. We have to go back to God for him to restore you. He always offers a way to peace. He always offers restoration. Through prayer, silence, solitude, worship, your community, the reading of the word, he will restore your soul. Verse four, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In the midst of this chaos, we can be comforted by the presence of God because he is with us, right? And sometimes in the 
in the chaos, we have to learn how to interrupt chaos with God's peace. And I'm young, I think. So I'm learning how to do this. But the people that I look up to most respond to things slowly. They take their time. They're not quick with their words. I think interrupting chaos with peace is zooming out of your current circumstance so that God can come into the chaos. A lot of us young people, uh, we think that access to peace should be like a microwave. It's like, I want it now. It's not like that. It takes time to grow into a person of peace. So interrupting chaos with peace means that while Pierce is screaming in the other room, and I'm trying to write this sermon, that taking a moment to zoom out to say, God, you are good, you are kind, you are sovereign, you have given me this gift of a child, and you told me that he's a gift in your word. And I'm gonna believe that. When I'm feeling anxious, when I'm in traffic, taking peace and interrupting the chaos then is saying, Lord, you have me in this situation right now for this season so that I may be sanctified. When you're fighting with your spouse or with your roommate, taking a break, interrupting the chaos, the trouble with peace, says, we don't have to solve this right now, but let's be reminded that God is good, that he is loving, that he is kind, and he has solved our greatest need. The disruption, the chaos, the hard stuff in your life needs to be interrupted with peace. You don't have to solve everything now. Take a break, engage God, and then walk back into the circumstance with the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding. We have this thing because of Jesus called union with Christ. He's with us always. And because of this broken world, we don't always recognize it. But to take a moment and remember the promises of God, it will go well with you. So God has put peace on the table and you have full opportunity to eat of it. Um, Philippians chapter four, 
says this. It's at verse four through seven. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace floods in with praise, prayer, and thanksgiving. Praise, prayer, and thanksgiving. That's what it means to, when, earlier when we said that peace comes in when God is magnified in your soul. How do you magnify God in your soul? Praise, prayer, thanksgiving. Colossians chapter 3, 14 through 17 says this. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Again, thankfulness. And then another spiritual discipline that came in, Colossians, is letting the word of God dwell in you richly. Reading God's word just to read it, and the word just being in your mind for that moment doesn't do you any good. Those words being present for your time of chaos, your time of trouble, that's when God's word does you good. When it dwells in you for those times of hardship, God's peace can come in. We have peace with God when we know him, when we abide with him, when we commune with him. Verse five of Psalm 23 says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So now, we come to the table that God has prepared for us. In the presence of his, our enemies. This table that we have is a reminder of his body and his blood that was poured out for us. Right, and I, I think the, the picture of it being food for us is so, so important. And this might be a little weird for you, so I'm sorry. But when you eat food, that's like the closest something can ever be to you. It is in you. 
And so as we ingest this bread and this juice today, I pray that it is a reminder of how close, how close God is to you if you are in Christ. That he's closer than the breath in our lungs, closer than the food in our stomachs. He is near. So today, as we approach the table, be thankful. Magnify the Lord in your hearts. Make much of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Let him be the most important, all-consuming thought of your heart. And as we move towards Christmas, remember that it's only by his grace that we can know God, and it's only by him dwelling in us that we may have peace. Let's pray. Lord, you are our shepherd. We shall not want. You have satisfied every desire, every need that we have is met in you. You lead us to rest. You are our rest. You lead us to stillness. into quietness. You restore our soul where we confess to you that we are broken, that we need you. We need you to restore our hearts. Father, I ask that you would bring peace among the people who are in this room. Lord, that you would help them to preach peace to those who don't know you and that they may live at peace with those in their life. Lord, would you teach us to walk in your righteousness for your glory, and that when we walk through difficult situations, through that valley of the shadow of death, Lord, teach us to fear no evil because you are close. You comfort us. Remind us of the goodness of your sacrifice on the cross. Remind us of the blood that you poured out, your body broken for us. That you took on strife and pain and unpeace so that we could have peace with you, peace with our brother, and peace forever. We love you, we praise you, and it's in Christ's name that I pray.